This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. All right, here we go. We are on today with Jason Camosa. Jason is a father, he's a husband, and he is a successful business person. Jason has worked with companies like Vitamin Water and Groupon and others to help them grow into the success that they did. His personal background, his educational background is in psychology as well as marketing. Jason is now using his psychology background to help individuals like himself to become the best versions of themselves. He understands what it's like to have huge life goals and objectives, but he also understands the stress and the challenges that come with those. So now Jason helps his clientele to have a more positive and gratitude-filled mindset. He helps them with actionable steps using things like lifestyle, like nutrition, like exercise, like sleep, along with other professional stress-reducing and controlling tactics to really take hold of every situation, change your perspective, and become the best version of yourself possible so you can also be the most successful version of yourself possible. Jason's approach is genius because of its simplicity. It is direct, it is specific. I have known Jason for a long time and I can tell you that he is just a genuinely awesome, awesome guy that really cares. And that also comes out in what he does with his clients. This episode was fantastic to film. I feel better after finishing the recording and I know you're gonna have a lot of takeaways as well. So please listen in and enjoy Jason Camosa. All right, listeners, we are on. Jason, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Mike, good to see you, man. Always, always. Good day so far. Um, so Jason and I go go way back, which is not way, what we're going to be. Yeah, way, way back. back. Way back. Like I mean, like from high school and beyond, and then just on and off. Great school. Great school. It is Eugene St. John, baby. That's a good point. Wow. SJB. Always, That's always a good beat point. you guys. Yeah, I was going to say, you know why I don't remember that? Because we never beat you. I actually am not sure we ever beat you now that I yeah, think about well, it. I'm not surprised. I was on the team. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely wasn't. I hope Joe listens. It definitely wasn't Joe. So, you know, and you know, we've touched points throughout the years, but um, but really recently we we came in to realize what each other were doing professionally after a little hiatus from talking as yeah. much. And that's what we're talking about today. So without me giving it away, Jason, can you just tell people a little bit about what, a little about you, where you came from and what you do? Yeah, so... Um... What I do is I help people uh, really create a life that serves their highest purpose. And um, I do this in a way where it's a, a blend of coaching, blend of therapy, ultimately starting with the end in mind and reverse engineering the micro steps needed to get you where you wanna be. Um, it's uh, psychology has always been a passion of mine. And so uh, helping people is a huge part of that. So. Um, I enjoy and spend my time, again, infusing uh, positivity, encouragement, and wisdom through mental coaching. And it's your unique educational background that obviously stems a lot of this. But, you know, yeah. we talked a little pre-talk about how similar our industries can be. You know, you're working with a lot of high-level leaders in general, but executives, yeah. leaders. And a lot of our process is very similar because in the end, habit change is habit change, right? Which is... It's really cool to hear the similarities of our mindsets. hundred percent. You, uh, Mike, you are, you're training the physical body, the physical being. I'm training the mind and the soul. And so when you have these kind of two worlds collide or combine, uh, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. And they have to. I think that's what people don't realize. We, we try to focus on one versus the other. And then we get frustrated when we're not seeing the results we want. But we have to realize that there are no two entities. This is 
This is one. We're all one beam. One big beam playing off each other, and we need both. Yeah, 100%. So if you had to describe your average client, any adjectives that come to mind, what is your average client when you first start working with them? They are hungry. So first and foremost, they want to get somewhere that they're not right now. And they're willing and authentic and vulnerable enough to admit that, to have the self-awareness to say, hey, something's not working here. Something's not feeling right. I'm kind of misaligned. There's something here that, again, I want to improve on or change. And I want some help with it. Again, very similar to, I'm sure, a lot of your clients, right? Where they're like, look, I'm out of shape or I'm not in the shape I want to be in. And I know I, I want to have, I have the drive, I have the initiative to go out there and create what I want to have happen. I'm going to go do it. So biggest thing is, again, the desire to be better. Um, you're, I don't want to work with people who genuinely aren't in it for the long run. This is, uh, excuse the pun, but this isn't a diet, right? Like we're changing your life. It's not about changing a couple weeks, a couple months of your life. Like we're literally changing and tweaking things that empower you to be your highest self. Yeah. So they're hungry. They want to go somewhere. They've got a goal in mind. At some point though, they also have to become willing to admit they can use assistance. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. At what point do people stop being stubborn? I'll use the word stubborn because I'm a stubborn person. Yeah. And do they say, you know what? I need to seek out someone like Jason. What has happened in their lives that was the first time they're like, you know what? I could use, I could use some, some assistance here. I, I could be biased because this is kind of how I got into the world of coaching, but often, more often than not, usually there's some sort of uh, macro level event, some sort of larger event. Maybe it's, you know, they lost their job or their spouse or, or maybe it's, Hey, I really, I, I want to change career something that is like a big, a big thing. For me personally, uh, Mike, I grew up with a single mom, um, didn't have a lot of financial stability. The story I told myself for literally two decades was when I get financial stability, then I'll be happy. That was the story I created, which became my reality. And I was fortunate to work at an early stage startup. I got some financial stability. And at age 30, I was like, why am I not happy? Like, why am I genuinely not intrinsically happy? I, I have some money now saved. I'm able to help my brother with his tuition and my mom, whatever. But I'm not happy. So I sought out help of a coach and through that relationship, just kind of cleanse my soul. Like I'm a soul cleanser now. Like that's what I do, right? I, sh- I take the, you shower your soul, shower your mind and refresh, upgrade your systems. Um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, but the, the, the feelings of really wanting something and again, not having it like that to me was like, I gotta, I gotta do something. We're on this earth right. for a very short amount of time. I got to do something here. What am I going to do that's going to help me really change my core being? Right. And that's such, it's a crucial part of the process between these phases of, I can do this on my own. I'll admit I need help, but then actually turn that into a plan that can be executed. There's this middle ground that is the lesser seen by people because there's a lot that happens in between there too that isn't so okay, I'm willing to get help, so I'm going to take help. There's there's something in the middle there, too. And we see it all the time where I'm willing to get help, but I'm still going to come in with my preconceived notions of what it's going to look like. I want you to help me very specifically here and here, but I'm still not willing to talk about this, this, or this. Yeah. I'm willing to say I want to work out, and I'll use my, my realm of the business, and you can yeah. talk about yours. I'm willing to work out more, but I'm not going to talk about nutrition yet. Yeah. Or I'll talk about nutrition, but don't you dare talk about alcohol or eating out or, or my travel, you know, there's, and and then, and then somewhere in there, you build trust with people and we start nicking away at those parts. And that's when real change really, really starts to happen. It's not from A to B. It's typically somewhere later from, you know, from M to O really start coming in. Yeah. So when you're starting your process, when we're nicking away at that for you, What's day one questions like? What are the things you really want to learn about your new client? One of the, the very first things that I, I want to understand when I'm talking to a potential client is, well, one, I want to know where they want to go. 
Like, what is the vision? What is their ideal outcome or situation here? Um, but I also want to learn a bit more about kind of what got them to where they are now. And oftentimes this, this uh, comes up in later conversations, but it's many of us or almost virtually all of us are grown up children, right? We have a wounded inner wounded trauma from childhood that has not been healed. Um, so that's one thing that I'm like, really, I've been really trying to increase my muscle, my, my muscle strength, my mental muscle strength on, Hey, like, let's, let's, let's kind of, let's, let's get deep here. Like, let's get open up, peel back the onion because oftentimes we talk about symptoms, but we really want to get to the root cause. Cause that root cause might get to open up. Right. I mean, it's until we really understand, but that's the thing that's hard to get sometimes. It's yeah. really hard to well, get the root cause because they want to give you, they want to give you their vision at the end. Here's how I want to look. Here's how I want to be. Well, how'd you get here? I'm not, I, that's not what I came here to talk to you about. I came here to talk to you about where I'm going, not where I've been. Yeah. So it's really hard to get people to open up to that. So how it, do you start to establish, sorry, go ahead, please. No, I was going to say, so one of my favorite questions here is when I'm feeling or sensing the answer that was given is a bullshit answer. Uh, I'll ask them again and say, so like, you know, oftentimes you'll ask someone, how you do it? And they'll say, I'm good. And my response to that is, no, no, like, tell me how you're really doing. Or tell me what, don't give me the answer of what your inner PR person wants to give. Tell me what you're really feeling. And just allowing them to actually be authentic here in this moment and say, you know what, actually, dot, dot, dot. And then they, and they start talking. And that's, you know, let's get the wheels in motion, right? Let's warm it up. Right. That to me is a way where I can, because I, I I sense it, I feel it. Most of us just sit. That's a default. How you doing? I'm good. I'm doing all right. No, no. How you really? How you really doing? Right. Right. It's a different question, and we're so predisposed to that small talk answer, aren't we? Like, yeah. hey, what's up? How are things going? Good. Uh, nothing. Same. Same. Same old. old. Yeah. And same I. Same old. I, I do it once an hour. Every time a new client comes in, it's the same. Yeah. How's your day going? It's good. It's great. Same old story. You know, it's it's the same thing every single day. Yeah. You know, and partially because the client really doesn't doesn't really care how I'm doing, which is right. fine. They shouldn't. You know, sure. it's, they're here for them. But um, but I, even if they did, I would probably still give them the same generic answer. Building trust is the key. Because I know for me it's so those are the those are the awesome days when you see the wall come down. When you see and and it could be the first day where some people are, some people are the opposite, right? Some people come in and they're like, I'm going to tell you everything that's happened every minute of my life. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, like actually yeah. that was kind of too much. But for most people, it's on day three or it's on day 10 or it's on day 60 where all of a sudden they're like, you know what? And then something comes out and you're like, that was it. Mm-hmm. Like that was like, you just shared something so key. Like I now I feel like I can actually help you different. I can motivate you different. I can make something make sense different. And, and I got, I got goosebumps of what we would call a breakthrough, right? Right. This could be a random workout. And all of a sudden they say something or something comes up, like you said, and it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. And it's like this revive, like they're almost <laughs> like a lightning bolt came down from the sky, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you want to be like, could you have shared that two months ago? Cause we could yeah. have done so much with that, but that's okay. Because that's when you felt comfortable. Right. How do you build trust? I guess is the question with this. Cause I, I, I love that feeling. But building trust is a, it's a tough thing and it's very person to person. So how do you go about that process of building trust? Because you're not going to get all the answers you want day one and forcing that is going to have the opposite reaction. You're going to make people run or they're going to stay clammed up and not like you. So how do you start to build trust? From my experience or my opinion, it's showing up in a way that's vulnerable and authentic for you, for me as an individual. And why do I do that? Because that subconsciously tells the other person, hey, I'm opening up my heart. I'm opening up my truths. And therefore, it's okay for you to do the same in this space. You're, you're in a safe space, right? We, we don't emotionally or mentally, psychologically, like a lot of spaces in, in, in the world are not safe. They're not safe for us. Like a workplace, a lot of workplaces, like they will not, like people won't want to say things they feel or, you know, they, they're just, it's not safe. So again, if I show up, if I'm authentic and vulnerable and I tell them a story about my past, 
then they're like, oh, well, if Jason's if Jason does this, Jason says this, well, I guess it's okay for me to do the same. Yeah. And your website definitely does that. Like even before they meet you, you know, obviously preparing for this, I looked on your site and your Instagram, you're you're very good about creating this comfort zone from the start. I was not always good at that. I named this business after my dad, but I was never, I almost wanted to still be personal though. Like, so I even, I even had, a, people don't know this. I had a backup acronym. So it's Mars for Mario, but I had yeah. movement assessment recovery as this fitness acronym. So when people asked what it meant, what writes the fitness acronym? Like, and there was, and, and I don't have a good reason for it, but more and more, you know, we had people that knew the story would be like, why not share this? Like, this is powerful. Like, why not? Like, you're going to help people. And for me, sometimes it was so much of this. Um, am I being selfish? Am I talking about me? Like people come here for them. They don't care about me. They don't care about my backstory, but it's the opposite, right? Like what you do is so disarming. It's, it's creating that circle of circle of trust. I always laugh about the movie when I think circle of trust, but um, you know, I, it's, it's a powerful thing, but it's, I guess it just goes to show that it's hard in both directions. You are a practicing practitioner and it's, you know, and you've become so free with your backstory, but it's not always easy to do that. No, it's not. It's, it's, uh, again, excuse the pun, but it's like, it's, 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 it's repetition. It's muscle growth. You have to get uncomfortable in order to grow. You're, you Mike, you're not going to tell your clients to lift or curl five pound dumbbells forever. Why? Because that doesn't do anything. You have to, you have to get go through pain and discomfort and increase those weights to get stronger. That's just a fact. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go through your process a bit. Yeah. You meet, you meet a new client. Yeah. What are, what are the first steps? What are the first steps in your client's journey? For, for me, it's, it's having a conversation. So no agenda, no, like, am I going to, like, for me, I, I should back up. I detach myself from the outcome. If this person chooses to work with me or not, I'm going to be okay either way. That's kind of the first thing I think of, because it's not about me. The reason I'm successful and the reason that people compensate me is because of the value I deliver. So it's not about me. It genuinely isn't. It's about them. When it comes to, you know, starting the, the process of working with me, it does involve getting authentic, getting vulnerable, because I don't want to spend my time with someone who wants to pay me X amount of dollars to fix their problems for them. That's not what this is. I'm not going to clean your room for you. I'm going to help you and show you how to clean your room and you're going to clean the room yourself. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we have a lot of target in terms of the audience for this episode, but we've definitely spoken to practitioners, trainers a little bit at the start of this about what, what it means to do this right. And I, I'm a, I've never been a good sales. I've not, I'm a big believer that if you're genuine and you do a good job, that kind of takes care of itself to a certain extent. You know, running a business is a different entity sometimes, but person to person, if you come in and just genuinely care, people can read that. And I think that's so far, that's really what, that's the message you've sent so far, right? You've come in, you you make it about, listen, I just want you to get help whether it's here or not. And you're serious about it. That's a genuine thing you yeah. really truly believe. So people read that and then you're open, you're vulnerable, you're willing to share. You know, I just want people to realize the environment that's being created by what you're saying so far. Um, now, if you're on the other end of the spectrum, if someone getting help, also you have you still have control over that environment. Because I've had that happen too. I've had new clients come in that really make you as as the trainer comfortable. <clears throat> like there's certain yeah. people that leave, and I love helping people. I do, but this I'd be lying if I said there isn't certain people that walk out that door. You're like, man, I really want that person to succeed. Like, I want everyone to succeed. And I do for all my members listening. I want all of you to succeed. <laughs> but again, but this is human nature, and it is true. There are some yeah. people that walk out. You're like, man, like they just touched you different. You know, so like this is a two way street. And sometimes if if whoever's listening to this, whatever, if you're trying to get help, you're trying to give help. When, when those two things collide and the communication is equal from both sides, that's when like you really kind of hit that home run from the beginning, right? It's magic because it's, it's um, most people, again, I'm, I'm totally generalizing here. Sure. But most people are guarded. They have their guards up because that keeps us safe, right? We're protected. If we don't, if we're, if our heart isn't fully open, 
we're safe. And so it takes that courage, that discomfort to get vulnerable, to open up, to talk about things that are um, traumatic or, you know, painful for, for the individual. Um, but as we talked about a couple minutes ago, like once you kind of like, you kind of just get a little sliver in, like it, it opens up and all of a sudden it starts opening up this world and it's organic. It's not forced. Like I'm not shoving things down their throat. This is a, it's like a beautiful, harmonious um, energy where people are willing to, to show up and to, to face that fear. Right. Self-acceptance. A hundred percent. So, you know, this is, and I look over, you know, when you sent me, you know, the bullet, the bullet points of your process there, are, I mean, they're all crucial, but there was two that I circled with the little bigger stars. Yeah. So self-improvement starts with self-acceptance. That's your quote. That's something that you believe and you talk with your clientele. So turning those fears into that self-acceptance. How do we get people to make peace with where they're at and where they're going and maybe start to get away from the preconceived notions they came into you with? Yeah, I think that's that's part of the, what we do in terms of the work, right, is to first be totally okay with where we are right now. And that means not pushing away those feelings that you don't want to feel. Uh, the analogy I use is a beach ball underwater. Do you ever try to push a beach ball, un- submerge it underwater? It's really hard, right? It's you gotta, And then what happens, right, once you let go, phew, flies out of the water. So the idea is, like, you need to just be okay and... When you have you have this, what's the word I'm looking for? When you have, like, when you know, if you have the self-awareness to say, hey, look, these are some of the things that I know are my, like, this is what, this is what gets me, or this is, these are the things that the, the thorns in my side, and you have the self-awareness, you're already ahead of the game. You're already ahead of, because you know, hey, look, these are the, th- these are the things I think I need to work on. And we can focus on those, right? Some other times people won't want to, they don't want to, if they don't want to open up and talk about that, it's like, well, what are we doing here? Because I think some people, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you're the pro here. Some people think self-acceptance or self-awareness equals contentment. Well, if I acknowledge this is true, I'm saying that I'm okay just being where I'm at. Two things can be true. I can acknowledge I'm okay that this is where I'm at, whatever the reason is. My last 10 years led me into this specific situation. It is what it is now. That doesn't mean I don't also have the ability to move forward. It just means I make peace with my current state. Yes. And I think, again, at least you, know, you are more professionally packed in when it comes to psychology and, and understanding people. But that is certainly something we see here where people don't want to, they don't want to accept where they're at because right away that means, well, that means I'm okay where I'm at and I'm okay not moving forward. Well, that's not, those are two different things. It's... Um... Yeah, ha- having the, the awareness, right? Having the, the wherewithal to understand, look, these are this is who I am today. And I'm I'm celebrating the fact that I'm here today, right now, and I've made a commitment to move to get better, to move forward. You're, I think your shirt says, What is a beat yesterday? Yeah. Like, that's that's the <laughs> mantra, dude. Like literally, all you need to do is just get a little better. Um, another phrase I love to uh, analogy is like I like the idea of lighting a wick, right? So many people want to go to, and burn down the whole town. It's like, <laughs> yo, that's not your job. Your job is to light the wick and to keep it lit. And what does that mean? That means a quick example. Uh, I had a, a, a female client who was looking to lose some weight. And she, this was in uh, December. She's talking about, you know, signing up to the gym and she's going to do 60 minutes. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, how about like, let's just start with like, what's like a stupid small thing you could do? And she's like, well, walk around the block. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just walk around the block once. Because in her mind, she's like, well, if I want to get in shape, I got to go to the gym every day for 60, 75 minutes. And like, she's telling us all these things. I'm like, that's not sustainable here. Let's start small. Walk around the block once and then twice. Do one minute of five burpees. Like, you know, you're going to yes. burn yourself out. Literally, like get your mind ready, get your mind warmed up um, and get your body warmed up and, and you know, just start, start somewhere. And then, and then you slightly push the lever up, right? Like there's no sense in going out there and trying to, you know, do every, you know, boil the oceans, what they call it. Yeah. And then boil the ocean. I know you're not. And those, those intentions are, are great. And that's, yeah. you necessarily want to like, I, I want to take, I, and I say it with, I say it with my athletes all the time. I'd rather have an athlete. I had to take down a notch and someone I got to bring up. 
trying to create fire in someone is hard. Telling him to please take a step back, I'll take that issue more often than not. Yeah, yeah. But I think that the challenge becomes when people are almost both simultaneous because they they think they know what they have to do, so they want to jump to this 100%, but really naturally, they're actually a person that doesn't do doesn't do this well at all. Isn't it going to like, it's the, jan- it's, it's the New Year's resolutions stereotype. Yeah. It's I'm going to jump into six days a week, but I've never sustained one day a week of exercise in my life. <laughs> but from now on, six is going to happen. Yeah. Well, it's not. And that's why 80% of people that join gyms in January don't make it to week four. 80%. And another 20% of the remaining don't make it to February 1st. And those are real yeah. stats by, and that's consistent across the board, not just the USA. That's, that's yeah. everywhere. Those numbers are yeah. consistent. So I like how you how you name them, you know, stupid small things. Cause again, it's like a disarming vocabulary with it, right? It's it seems, like so yeah, it stupid seems, small, it but it's not. So, yeah, 100%. It seems so dumb. Why would I do five burpees? What's better, doing five burpees or doing zero burpees? And then all of a sudden, five. you like the silence on the other end where they're like, Oh, like I get it. You know, <laughs> I see where Jason's going with this. Right. Right. And then sometimes the rebuttal is, yeah, but that's not as good as a hundred. I maybe not, but you're still at zero. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Why, why don't we still get back to five? Because you know what? You cannot get to a hundred without five anyway. It's impossible. You can't it's, yeah. it's not not how math works. No. You add one at a time, <laughs> yeah. and this yeah. is how. So yeah. why don't we just abide to the the laws of math and keep adding one at a time? And eventually yeah. it's going to add up. Yep. Yeah, and we talk about this in habit change a lot of, you know, there's the there's the research on how many days, and you've seen this, does it take to, to build a habit? And the research says 18 to 232. It's like, what in the hell? That is like, and people scoff at that. Like, well, the truth is, is because one, there's there are genetic components, there's lifestyle components, but it's also because people stop and fail and start and go too aggressive so many times that ends up taking them close to a year to form the habit in the first place. Yep. The people who shift into the, the three-week side of the spectrum are the people who start realistically, not the people that start with the home run. Those people that hit single after single after single, and they nickel and dime themselves to a win. It's yep. not it's not the home run hitters. You're 100% on point. Um, yeah, you, it's, it's, it's completely on point, completely accurate. And... Um, as you mentioned a minute ago, like, yeah, it's totally cool to want to do that 90 minutes at the gym. Great. Right. Well, that's what we'll work up to. I don't know if you teach your uh, clients the idea of floors and ceilings, but that's something that I love to preach the idea that what is, what is the like ideal? If it's, if 90 minutes is the ideal, if that's the ceiling, what's your floor? And the floor is the stupid small thing that you know you can do on a daily basis, regardless of anything. So right. the stupid small thing is five burpees. Can you do five burpees in a in one day? Can you find the time to do five burpees? Yes, you can. Okay, yes. great. That's the floor. So we're gonna live somewhere between the floor, which is five burpees, and the ceiling, which is ninety minutes. Yeah, and and slowly build up, and the floor rises. Yeah, and that's what people. This is bingo. You know, this is an elevator type of pitch here. Where people don't realize if you if you just raise the floor up, you have a new floor. So eventually, yeah. ninety can become your floor. It can, yeah, yeah if you want it, it to be, it can. Yeah, you just can't you can't jump off the cliff on day one. Like let's yep. let's ride the elevator and go there one day at a time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. You know, um, the other circle I had, the other the other favorite of of your let's list, because so my my dad, we used to. I had this argument all the time where my dad, he was just a stressed person. Now, you can't convince me that that stress didn't contribute to his brain tumor. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. You could, you know, you can say we don't know that for a fact. Fair enough. You can't convince me it didn't. But he was. My dad stressed over everything. And I used to look at him. And granted, I was a stupid, you know, early 20s, thought I knew it all trainer. But I'd be like, Dad, like, like if, if you can't control it anyway, ditch it. Like, I don't understand why you're so upset. And he get mad at me the opposite. He want me to get like, like, well, you have this issue coming. Like, yeah, but I can't control it. So I'm just not going to like, it's not going to get a rise out of me. So the idea of the two buckets, the things that you can, you can control some things, some things you can't. How do you get people to not, maybe not be aware of the things they can't control, but to stop fixating so much on them? 
Yeah. Um, well, I think the short answer is you, not, you, you can't necessarily, <laughs> it has to be intrinsic, right? It has to be done through training, through that growth and through that failing and winning and repeat failing, winning, like it's, it's practicing, right? But the analogy I love to give is, is literally imagine you have two buckets in your hands. One of the, they're both invisible, right? One's a bucket you can't control. The other bucket is things you cannot control. We're going to take the one, the bucket that you cannot control, and we're going to throw it a hundred yards from here. And we're going to only focus on the things we can control. Uh, and typically those things that we can control include inputs, our inputs, whether it's working out, whether it's psychology, whether it's um, what you're eating, whether, I mean, whatever it is, right. We're going to focus on the things that we can control and anything else that we cannot is literally like out of our, like, get it out of your mental bandwidth, get it off your plate because it's not doing you any favors. Do you find that, and I'll, again, I'll go back to a fitness example and you tell me if this makes sense. What I find a lot of success in is telling people to not focus on what they don't want to feel, focus on what they do want to feel. Focusing on what they shouldn't feel only does one thing. It drives focus into what they shouldn't feel. Yeah. So the classic example is, you know, if I don't want to feel my back in a deadlift, well, I don't tell you not to feel your back. I say, here's an angle where you do feel your hamstrings. Here's an angle where you do start to feel your hip. Do you feel that? Oh, I do feel that. It's it's aversion therapy in a way, right? It's <laughs> if, if people come yeah. in and they, you know, and they, and now all of a sudden did, and I don't talk about the back anymore. Cause you know what they're not complaining about now? They're back. They're back. Why? Because why? I know that if I get them to feel their abs, get to feel their hamstrings, there's, they're just, you can't, the, the back just kind of disappears because it's no longer doing what it was doing before. Your back was trying to overwork and doing too much. So we just made someone else do a better job. And now the yeah. person that was overworking just took a back seat. But they cannot focus on what they shouldn't feel, whether it's knee pain, back pain, whatever it is. So what's the comparison there? I, you took the words out of my mouth. We got, we both have kids. When you tell a, a three-year-old, when I have a three-year-old daughter, when you tell a kid, a three-year-old, hey, don't use that marker and draw on the table. What are they going to want to do? <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> right? So like you said, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's, it's focusing on what do you want? What, what are the things that, how are we going to expend your, your mental energy and um, your, I should say your finite mental energy Towards the things that you can control, right? Because if we use the analogy of like a, a can of pop or not pop, LaCroix, we all have finite energy. We wake up in the morning and like imagine your phone's 100% charged. And throughout the day, our finite energy is slowly depleted. We get to the point where we're at 20%, 10%. That's a signal to us, okay, I need to stop working. I need, like, I don't have any more quality energy in me. And therefore, my work is not going to produce quality work, like yeah. outputs, right? So I'd much rather have someone work six fucking awesome hours than 10 or 12 meh, mediocre, non-energetic, right? So it's about that energy, um, balance of energy and managing the uh, the expectations. Uh, and this kind of segues into the idea of running your, your day on autopilot. When you have your day set up from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you don't have to use the energy to think, what am I doing next? You know what you're doing next. It's already set for you. Yeah. And, and that idea of finite energy is so real, but it's it's so not quantitative. So it's hard to understand until you really get people partially into the process before they can really start quantifying that for themselves. Like what actually is my, I'm going to go two ways with this. What is my current capacity for energy? Yeah. I just had a conversation with a colleague the other day and we got into like the idea of like introverts and extroverts. And I think this is just a, a similar thing where I have, I have a certain amount of capacity for random engagement a day. And this is me specifically. Yeah. I can only do so much where before I'm like, you know what? I need my alone time now. I do. I need to put myself yeah. into a room. There is nothing I can do that bleeds my energy in alone time. I can work every single minute alone and it does not, deplete my battery. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Social interaction does. I have to control my amount of social interaction in order for me to get good at it. I just know I've made peace with that. I know that about myself. But yeah. back as a younger trainer doing 12, 14 hours of sessions a day, and that was real. That was the numbers I was doing once upon a time. Hours seven through 12 were not good. You know, it took me a long time to really focus on that. So I, it's the idea of really understanding and 
that you do have like you're and you individually have a different subjective. Mix. It's subjective. And you can't compare to someone else. I can't no. say I see how Jason's a social guy. I see how much he can handle socially every day, man. Like I'm just, you know what, if he can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. That may not be true. And that's okay. And that I guess we're circling yeah. back to acceptance, self-awareness now too. Right. But I've got yeah. to make peace with what my current finite capabilities are. Cause those are also yeah. And you need to know what, what fills your cup, what fuels you, because what fuels you and what re-energizes you may not be uh, me, right. Or Dan or Joe, whoever, like it's, it's, it's um, the idea of, of really being self-aware. What do, what are my needs? And what, what are the things that like fill my soul? Because, um, and, and this maybe goes to another topic, but like sleep, like sleep is such a huge component of the work I do. And if you're not sleeping right, like how you expect to, you know, do these these little tiny things when you're getting four or five hours of sleep? It's 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 we talked about at the beginning of the call, like it's all holistic. The body, the mind, the soul, the spirit, it's all one. It works yes. all together. Yes. Well, I think I'm glad you brought up sleep. I think that was the second point I had on this idea of finite mental energy. That's not a set number, right? Your your finite mental energy is dependent on a lot of things. And your, your sleep, your nutrition, all of that feeds into, if you do whatever your your normal total capacity is, whether that battery starts at full or not. Yeah. Versus does it start partially. Yep. Yep. But also keep into account when we're trying to create change, you, you mentioned the idea earlier of being able to run the day on autopilot. Well, when I'm creating change, if I'm disrupting your current autopilot, I'm asking you to create a new habit, which means hyper-focusing on this new nutrition that we're just new breakfast we're working on, or... The act of trying to sleep more first takes active thought. That is going to, until those become a habit, those are going to take away from, they're going to be a part of that finite mental energy. They're going to need some of that energy, which means all that energy maybe can't go towards where I always want it to go towards or where it will again go towards after those habits become subconscious again. So I guess, is that a part of your process too of saying, hey, while we're actually working on things, here's here's where other things might take a hit and that's okay i i don't know if i would position it as this it would take a hit i think it's more about um understanding that as you mentioned we don't we have a there's x amount of energy and so what how are we going to plan to efficiently use what we have and not necessarily compromising like other aspects of our life because of um like like a sleep change right like a lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I go to bed 9, 30, 10 o'clock, whatever. It's like, okay, well, you're choosing to expend energy on going to watch TV where you could choose to go to bed instead. The TV consumption, the blue light consumption does not serve your highest purpose, whereas the sleep does. So what it comes down to really is, is writing the algorithm and following the algorithm regardless of how you feel. Right. Right. If it's nine o'clock, then I'm going to bed. It doesn't matter if I don't feel like it because the reality is we have, who's in control? Is it Jason or Jason's feelings? Because if it's not Jason, by default, it's Jason's feelings. And that right. doesn't serve our highest purpose a lot of the time. Right. We don't feel like working out. We don't feel like eating healthy. We don't feel like necessarily uh, being vulnerable. But we do them regardless of how we feel because it's what fuels and what's good for us. Yeah. The book, um, Switch have a change book if you've read it or not, but they have the, uh, the rider and the elephant is the comparison in there. <clears throat> and it's the idea of you know, the logical brain versus the emotional brain. And if you let the elephant have control, there's nothing you can do nope. to redirect that elephant. It is, it is bigger. It is stronger. It is going to take you. But if, but if you can logic it into going where you want it to go, we can start getting some, some control back. And I think you're, I, and I'm glad you, your, your spin on it was a much more positive way to look at it. It's not that you need to take, take a hit on things. It's just making sure that you're aware, like, Hey, let's be efficient with the day. I only have a certain amount left. Where is my priorities? Where do I want this energy to go? And that's okay. If it maybe doesn't hit every single Avenue um, that I wanted to hit every day. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I were, um, I have a younger trainer and we, you know, so I, I've got this, I've got it in front of me now. So I've got this, uh, planner instead of that I use every single day. And I'm still a pen and paper guy, Jason. I can't yeah. just, I can't, yeah. I just can't, I can't buy into the, I use the computer for this and that's pretty much put it away after that. Um, but he was, you know, he just asked me, what do you do with that thing every single day? And <clears throat> he's kind of, 
he's starting to learn about his priority list and how he marks off to-do lists. And he said, you know, there's some day he goes, it was, I feel like I'm never actually getting through a to-do list. I said, well, this is something that I struggled with a lot. And the best advice I got, it was from Tim Ferriss's book, but I forget which client it was he was working with. So I'll have to edit this probably, but it was the idea of not creating a total to-do list, but creating three primary tasks a day. So in my ledger, I have I have the words primary, and I have one, two, three, and then I have secondary, and I have whatever. But by separating the list, as long as I get to those three, I feel successful every single day. Because I've, but I've created different boundaries around my to-do list. I've said that I am always okay if that secondary list doesn't get tapped to at all. Because I predetermined priorities every single day. These are my three things. And it's not always three. Because I try to say, okay, you look at my schedule. Today's a heavy client day. I'm going to be on the floor for like eight hours. How much office time am I getting? I'm probably not going to get to even three things today. So it's going to be one. Today's one thing, but accomplish that one yep. thing. Um, so I don't have much of a, a question there, but it was more of a, just a continuation of understanding bandwidth with people and, and just and just knowing where to go. That's something that has just worked for me and controlling my emotions and my perspective of how I judge my success from a day-to-day standpoint. So that has helped me yeah. a lot. And it sounds like you indirectly wrote yourself a, almost like a football coach has a book of plays, right? Like you, Mike, you wrote a book of plays, a book of algorithms, and you follow them based upon, like you said, if I have eight clients, then maybe I only do, you know, one, one uh, primary task or primary, uh, you know, to-do list. If I'm, if the day is a lighter client day, then, you know, so you're, and you're in control. So you have the playbooks. And so, you know, oh, look, today is Thursday and today I have a light client day. So these are the plays I'm running and you run them regardless of how you feel. Regardless of how you feel. And that isn't that, and that's hard. That, that is, is the, of course it's hard that's because really, our feelings, really hard. yeah, our feelings, they don't, we don't, you know, I don't feel like working out all the time. Most of the time I don't feel like working out, but I know, okay, well, I know a couple of things. One, I know it's good for me. And two, I know that when I'm done with the workout, I'm going to feel really good. So no matter how crappy I don't, or how much I don't want to do the workout, it's like, fuck that, fuck that guy. Oh, that like almost like I'm, I'm literally making a human of a, a copy of myself. Oh, Jason showed up who doesn't want to work out. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. We're going to go work out. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, that's. And you, if... invite the, you invite them to the party. You invite the anxiety. Oh, anxiety, stress. You're here. All right, let's ride. We're going to go. Let's rock this. It's. <laughs> I, I, I'm just laughing because I'm, I want it's just funny, but it's, it's it so works. rewarding. And it's so rewarding after. Like, and if. You know, it's, you get yourself to go in, you do it. And then afterwards, you're so, you're proud of yourself, right? Yeah. You're proud of yourself. And you really, you really can't understand that until you go through it the first time. Like, that's the hard part is saying like, I know, do it anyway. And, you know, it's, and then afterward, that pride takes over. And now all of a sudden, the next time you're like, okay, you know what? Last time I didn't want to do it either. But actually, remember, I didn't want to do it last time I showed up. That workout was awesome. Or, you know what? Last time. I really wanted to choose this food source. I knew I should need it. I did need it. You know what happened? Time still passed. I fell asleep. I woke up in the morning and I was <laughs> and I was so glad I didn't yeah. order that pizza at 1030 at night. Yeah. Because I wasn't, you know, like, and it's but you have to go through that first. You've got to be able to take the band-aid off that. Absolutely. My coach, so the uh one of the coaches I work with, he says one of my favorite quotes, it's okay to suck. It's not okay to skip. So if you're trying to write a book and you set an hour block of time, you go in the fucking room, you set the timer for an hour. And if you write one word or one sentence, you've won. Why? Because you didn't say, fuck this. I'm not going to write because I don't feel like it. That's losing. The right. losing is not the, the content or the quality of you know the outputs. The losing is, am I going to do this or am I not? Yeah. You know what I like about just today in general, Jason, it's, I tend to have a little bit of a disagreement with, I think sometimes that the messages we see on social media and society are sometimes very, either very loose, very 
it's okay. Everything's always okay. Like do what you feel. And it's like, everything's just like, no matter what, you're never failing. And then there's the opposite of it's like, just hard, like, nope, like you are, if you don't are perfect, you're not, you know, but I think we found a middle ground today where I think people, some people need to be harder on themselves. Some people need to be more peaceful themselves, but I, I don't think everyone is too hard on themselves. Some people need to relax more and take more off days from workouts. Most yeah. people need to work out more, you know, but I think it's, I think we found a middle ground to saying like, there is a both. There is a, I can challenge myself. I can push myself to create stressful moments because stress is not a bad thing. It is a good thing until it becomes too much, but also find peace when I'm not perfect and do both. Like my, my, again, my members that listen to this will roll their eyes. Cause I say this often, the answer is usually in the middle. Do I do this or that? The answer is probably in the middle, like usually. So I like the middle ground that you take with people. I like that. It's not a soft approach. It's yeah. You, there probably are some things you do have to get done, but just start. And if it's not perfect or it's not the way you imagined it was going to be, that's also okay. Like make, you know, forgive yourself for that too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you, you said the word forgiveness and like, it's so, it, if you, so you're a parent, I'm a parent, right? When your kid comes home and they had a bad day at school or they're upset, whatever, what do you do? You shower them with love and you say, you know, I understand it's okay to feel sad or feel upset or angry. And you're, sh- you're showering them with this compassion, this empathy. And for some reason, when we become adults, that self-parenting goes away, right? What are we doing? We're beating ourselves up. Ah, oh, that was, I can't believe you thought you could get that job that you applied for. I thought, can't believe you thought you could date that guy or girl. I can't believe you, like all this negative talk. Yeah. Like why, what does that do? We're beating ourselves up. Why? Like, what is that doing for us? That doesn't do us any good. So how can we use this self-forgiveness to parent ourselves to say, hey, look, I did my best today. I gave it my all. I did some, you know, I failed or I made mistakes, whatever. And and I'm going to do better tomorrow. That's all that matters. Right. Literally. That's right. all that matters. And you're, this is exactly the approach to parenting. It's, I do want you to try. I'm going to put you into the sport. I want you to try it. Yeah. If you don't like it, come back and tell me. I do want you to try this food. I want you to try it. And then yeah. let's, let's just see how it goes. So you're right. That's the, it's, it's not one or the other. It's not, I, I always let my kid do whatever they want, or I'm always yeah. super hard on them. They have to finish everything they put in their plate and they've got to finish like the answer is somewhere in the middle. And you're right. Yeah. We, we do that. Most of us, I think do that pretty well for our kids, but we don't do it. For yeah, ourselves. For our, for, we do it for our kids, our pets. If you have our nieces or nephews, for those folks who don't have kids, you're, you know, you just have it. It's an innate human trait when a, an adult human has a crying child or a crying dog or whatever, you're, you're, you're just showing em- empathy and love, compassion. Right. Where did that go? Where did that somehow, you know, we, we don't do that to ourselves. And that's like the oxygen mask. You gotta, you gotta save yourself, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help others. Right. You are no good to people. If you are yourself, no good. Yeah. When you talk about, Imagination versus reality. Yeah. Tell me about that. So what, what is, how do you bring that concept up to a client? What are you speaking on? I, I, like to, I like to have my clients answer the, their own questions, right? So like if they're telling me about a problem or a challenge, I'll ask questions. So basically they're answering their own questions that they ask me. They're answering, the self-answering. But the idea of, you know, it's, so often problems are like we're worrying about things in the future. We're, we're like we're suffering in imagination versus reality. Because all of our projections on the future are um, they're formulated by our past experiences. Right. So like we're projecting what the future could look like based upon what has happened in the past. When the reality is all we have is today right now. Like if you're worried about what's going to happen six months from now, that doesn't really do you, that doesn't serve anything for you because six months from now, like, do you even have six months? Like, I don't know. We don't, like, we all think we're going to be here until we're 150 years old. We are like constantly worrying about the future when these things haven't even happened. So we're, we're literally suffering as if we're suffering in reality, as if our future projected problems are real. When in fact, they're, they're our imagination. They're fake. It's a story. It's interesting. 
So it's, it's a bad fairy tale, if you will. We, tell, we, never, we never think, well, what if this works? We always think, what if this doesn't? Right? Like, right. we always go negative. Why, why do we go negative? Why do we always think about, like, oh, man, like, you know, it's, it's a two-sided coin. Sure. Well, that's interesting, too, to think about. It's the, the, the fear is being, becoming so real for us. And I mean, it probably goes back to some of our previous stuff, but people look back at their past when maybe failure was real, but they assume that that becomes the only repeatable option. Right. So I guess, you know, it's so it's both. There was a reality where, yes, I did try something and I did fail at it. But just because that happened doesn't mean what I'm trying now is going to fail in the same way. That's imagination. I'm I'm assuming. So so one reality in the past I'm replicating in my brain, but that's still imagination, still not real. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get people and obviously you know, people that come to you or I really, but but probably even more so with you are probably not people who are coming in fully confident already. You're like, I'll get some of those people sometimes, but I feel like people that do people come to you are probably have already failed, right? They probably have already said, I've tried this on my own. I get, of course I get most of this too, but you know, you're probably not getting the person that didn't have failure being a reality at some point in their life, right? The folks, and again, I'm generalizing here, but the people I work with, they have, they have had failures which have then empowered them to get to the wings, right? And that's kind of where I come in to say, look, you have to step in the batter's box and be willing to strike out in order to hit a home run. Too many people just want to focus on getting the home run or, or a triple, whatever, but they don't, want to, they don't want to strike out. And so therefore they never step into the batter's box. And that again, the win is not whether or not you hit a home run or whether you strike out. The win is stepping in the batter's box and being willing to say, I might hit a home run, I might hit a double, or I might strike out. And I'm okay with all of those because I'm playing the fucking game. I like that becoming objective. Yeah, too many people don't want to play the game. Right. They're afraid about what happens if I strike out. It's like, well, what happens if you hit a home run? Right. You won't know until you step in the fucking batter's box. Right. And all the in-betweens that you're not imagining. You have created two scenarios. I'm either striking out a yeah. home run. Yeah. They're so I'm either making a million dollars or zero. Well, you know what? 400 grand's pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. and then less than half of what you imagined yeah. ain't so bad of a scenario. Yeah. So I like that being the objective. The objective is the attempt. A hundred percent. You know, like and if I, that's if that's one message that if there's one thing I'd like for listeners to walk away with, that is it. The attempt is the win. Stepping into that batter's box is the win. Um, yeah. And then finding the micro wins from there, right? It was again, this again, and a big focus of yours is yeah. is looking at every single win from there. So on day one, it was just getting the batter's box. Now all of a sudden, that becomes your habit. Every day I get yeah. the batter's box. That's no longer hard. I do my and I. I don't know if I've talked about this recently or not, but. I do a cold shower every day. Yeah. And even though I've been successful on it for a long time, the the act of getting into the cold shower has still changed. Where at first it was, I get in, I think about it for about 30 seconds. And then eventually <laughs> I get myself to turn the nozzle. Well, now it's become, I finished my warm part of my shower and I don't, I really don't think about it. Like I fin- I literally like have a routine where like I, I put the, part, yeah. the loofah goes back up my hand goes too. I turn. I sit and wait for it to become cold. I go through my breathing and I, and I finish it. So, this I finished both times, but my approach changed. So at first you just you're getting the batter's box, becomes the first habit, and then it changed. And then you get the next micro win from there, right? Now it's all yeah. of a sudden you know now I'm hitting singles really well from the batter's box. Yeah. So I, I like the idea of that. So how do you? You know, it's, it's, how do you get people to stop to saying, Lay, I do want you to have a long-term goal. I want you to create it, but I don't want you to think about it anymore. I just want you to think about some, the, the next micro part next. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's easier said than done, right? The idea of the, the folks I work with and, and people in general, right? We have, we, we have audacious, we have very ambitious goals. We want to, we want to get to places. It's, it's again, reverse engineering and breaking it down into actionable daily steps that are doable and reasonable, right? We don't, we don't want to go out there and, and, and like I said, set ourselves up. We talked about this failure. Like 
There's no point in, in doing this grandiose plan for working out or writing a book or I mean anything, being an accountant, right? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna pass the bar by trying to cram in you know years of of uh, um, uh, law school into two months or a month. Like, be realistic here. Like let's 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 put into place. Let's implement an actionable. That's another thing I like to pride myself on. Therapists. Oftentimes, from my from what I've heard or been told, therapists is not really they're not focusing on action. They're not putting together an action plan to go out there and do. So for me, it's about again micro steps, micro wins on a daily basis, consistently over time. It compounds just like the stock market. Yeah, just like you, you know, you get stuck on concepts, and that's a common fitness mistake too. Is people get stuck on concepts. The average, you know, the trend that wants to sound smart wants to talk a lot about the, the science, the science, the science, the science. Well, at some point, it's like, I, I actually, it's okay to just say, I literally need you to do this tomorrow. Yeah. I, literal, literal yeah. directions are the key. Yeah. Yes, yes, I want my clients to understand. I'd like you to understand the whys because I feel like that helps you to come back. It builds credibility with me. All that stuff is great. But at some point, I've got to just say, now here's literally what we are going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Where where does your 90 rule fit in? 90 day rule. The 90 day rule. It's a good one. It's really good. I'm giving everybody all my secrets, Mike. So hope, hope, uh, <laughs> but the 90 day rule is, is very easy. It's it's when something happens in your life, a problem, an issue, a challenge, whatever you want to call it. The immediate question is, will this matter to me in 90 days? Will this have an effect on my life in 90 days from now? And I would say 95 plus percent of the time, the answer to that question is, is no. Interesting. Right? Your, your Wi-Fi isn't working and you, you know, you get pissed off and then all of a sudden your heart's beating and you're like, fuck this, you get mad. Like, and it's like, is this gonna matter to you in a week, much less three months? Right. Why are you getting upset about it? Why are you letting yourself, why are you taking this this beautiful energy and you're now using it towards like just you're burning it. Like it's just bur- it's being burnt by this negativity, this frustration, this anger. So when you can ask yourself, hold on, let's hit the pause button before I react, before I have some sort of response. Will this matter to me in ninety days? And segueing into what I believe is our greatest, po- one of our greatest powers as humans is that we have a stimulus, and there's a space that we have, uh, and there's a response, right? So stimulus response. And within this space is our greatest power. It's the power of choice. Mm-hmm. How are we going to respond or react to any given stimulus in our lives? We have the power to choose. We don't have to road rage. We don't have to just automatically default to fuck that guy or you know, like that's our choice. Right. Right. We never think road rage. We never think, oh, geez, I wonder if that guy who just cut me off is rushing his wife to the emergency room to have a, a baby. We never think that. We always think, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. Always. 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 That's a habit in itself, though, isn't it? Creating that space, not only having two tools. Some For some people, the only tool they have is reaction tool. Yeah. Create, creating that, literally that think for a second, takes so much practice. And it's, it's such a hard thing to teach because it's so habitual. It's so automatic that you really, you really have to build that in. And it's, you know, a lot of habits, you you disrupt the old habit. So, you know, I can put a post-it note on someone's fridge. I can do something that says, okay, here's stimulus. You're going to turn into your old habit automatically. But when you do, oh, I have a reminder in my face or an alarm went off. Or like, you know what? Something disrupted my normal. So, okay, now I'm going to implant in new habit. And if I do that enough times, it becomes automatic. It's so hard in the situation you just you just described because it's, I can't put a post-it note on what I don't know is coming. You know, I can't, I don't know when someone's going to cut me off next. So it's really hard for me to say, like, what am I going to turn to to say, okay, hold on a second. Maybe the, there's a million other scenarios that could be yeah. where I should True. be caring about this human, caring about, oh my God, yeah. you know what? They're rushing to the hospital to see someone, man, I hope they get there fast. You know, yeah. good, good for them. I'm glad they cut me off because they need to get out that exit. I, yeah. hope, they, I hope they get there yeah. okay. But that's a skill. It is. It's a skill and you got to actually work on it which usually means thinking about it after the fact enough times, right? Where you you get stimulus, you get angry, and then you take, you know what? Actually, hold on. 
I did get angry. Let me reflect on why I did. Yeah. Where is that I'm coming, coming from? from? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Reflection. Why was I going to get upset? Where is that coming from? Because, and, and going back to control, you're, you're at home working, whatever, and your Wi-Fi goes out and you're like, okay, well, I could start yelling at the computer and get in, <laughs> and start swearing and have my blood pressure elevated, right? And and just and and you know let let this cascade into my day, or I could choose the other side to say, wow, how grateful am I that 999 out of a thousand times I come to the computer, my Wi-Fi works. How grateful am I that I have a computer? How grateful am I? I mean, the list goes on. How grateful am I that I can go to Starbucks? I mean, like the list goes on. So we have the choice. We can go, we can choose to go negative or we can choose to go positive. Most of the time, our defaults, unfortunately, have been set to go negative, which is pissed off, angry and upset and all these things that, again, it's not like when if you get upset that the Wi-Fi is out, the Wi-Fi gods say, oh, wow, <laughs> Mike is, seems really upset. Let's just go ahead and flip the switch on for him. Like, that doesn't happen. Right. Nothing right. happens. There is, like, if you get happy or sad from the Wi-Fi being out, the Wi that doesn't matter. The Wi-Fi is still out. That's still all out. that matters. Right. It's still out. Um, <laughs> we want we want it to happen that way. <laughs> right. No, we I, do. I, I we, want. We, I, yeah. Yeah. I want it to, but it's just yeah, that's course. not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. We think the Wi-Fi gods will will bless us magically if we get upset. Like that's just not going to happen. Nothing changes about the reality. It's not. And I I think we have to. You've linked gratitude in with this, and I think it has to be. Compassion and gratitude have to become a part of our skill set because it's very hard to let the un not let the uncontrollable affect us without it. So I and I, you told me to open up today, Jason. So I'm going to open up just like you were the good example of. I still say prayers every night, every single night. I didn't for a lot of years. I've had a reconnection with 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 church and faith lately, and the only place I'm going to go with that because I'm not going to go too far down that hole is. Every night I do start the prayer with, thank you for the chance of today. Whether it was good or bad, I start with that. No matter what, if this was, if I would label today as a man, if it was a shitty day, I hope I never, I hope I never have a day like this again. Doesn't matter. I'm still going to start my prayers off with, I appreciate the opportunity to wake up today, to be on the earth you created, and to do something. Whether I make good decisions or not, doesn't matter. Yeah, I was given the opportunity to make those good decisions, and I'm so grateful for that, regardless of. Yeah. And then I kind of go into a reflection phase, and this is my—I I don't physically journal, but I mentally do. And this is like my day of saying, "Okay, now here's here are the here are the good decisions you helped me make today, and I really appreciate it. And here's the things I could have probably gotten done better with, and uh, here's where I made some bad decisions, and here's a, a reaction I had with the kids after they drew on the wall, like you said earlier, and. Yeah. Here's how I wish I would have reacted, you know? And yeah. so there is a reflection point and there is a time where I can say, okay, like I can judge a day a little bit, but it always starts with first, like, like, Hey, I'm, you know what, here's where things are good. And that always makes everything a little bit better when I start with that always. You know, it's, um, it's so awesome. You shared that. Thank you for sharing. Um, it's, it's an emotional thing, but it's also, this is like a, a scientific, it's like science backed where when we have stress, when we have anxiety or when we're worked up, the antidote, scientifically, the antidote to the stress is a chemical in your brain called DHEA. DHEA is produced in the brain organically when you are grateful, when you give gratitude. So imagine like a Pac-Man, like how does how do you eat the stress? The DHEA comes in and eats the stress. And it and how do you get that DHEA, DHEA flowing? It's by being grateful. Like, that's it. That's the antidote. It's amazing. It's it's yeah. amazing because we, we take emotions and we put them on like some cloud that is outside of us when they're not. This is this is hormonal. This is physiological. This is every emotion we feel is coming from something physically happening inside our body to produce that emotion. Yeah. And and again, now we can come full circle to a lot of things of, of of food and sleep affect those hormones, and that it gives us the improved chances of being grateful and being positive. Yeah. And doing that doesn't feed our, doesn't bleed our battery as much. And now we have it for other things. Like this is yeah. where we start really putting pieces together for creating success in somebody. But it's up. But this is a lot, and it's a lot, and it's a lot to take a new a new client of yours, a new client of mine, and you can't just say all of this in one big realm because that becomes an overwhelming like whoa no. you've got to piece it together because that perspective changes along the way and i guess it is here's another message to take away for people 
allow yourself to not understand what you don't, what you will understand later. Like your, just trust that your perspective is going to change in ways that you cannot, you can, you can't force yourself to understand yet. You just can't. You start changing things. It's going to come, and and man, like, and the more you allow that, the more those light bulbs come. Like even more, like even with age, right? There's certain yeah. things that'll happen once a week where I'm like, man, that's I don't, I would never have thought about this <laughs> at 22 the way I'm thinking about it yeah. at 37. I just wouldn't have. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's uh, um, yeah. You're, I, I don't really have much to add there. You're you're spot on. Like, you're yeah. you're totally right. Um, it's so, pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. And it is awesome. But again, you allow yourself to get there. So, you know, if we recap today a little, Jason, you know, I, I think you started a lot with with self-awareness, with acceptance of ourselves, of making peace with where we're at, and that not being a contentment piece. It's just saying it's okay then where I'm at, understanding our past and why we are the way we are, and then really making small steps from there. Yeah. Right. If we if we could oversimplify our conversation there's there's got to be this pre-contemplation phase that leads to specific actionable items and that that has to be where people's focus really goes yeah absolutely it's um yeah I, it's my old my 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 kind of high arc message is just start right just just be okay and just kind of just take it step by step and try your best like only you know like at, in our in our core only I know if I've tried my best nobody else knows. I could say I tried my best when I really didn't. So like, if you genuinely can go home at night and, and lay your head on the pillow and you say, did I try my best? And if the answer is yes, that's all that matters. It was a great day. It was, and that was a great day. And there's no yeah. way to define it. If you did your best for that day, yeah, it's a great day. Yeah. It's a great day. hundred percent, brother. Yes. Jason, man, this has been awesome. How do people find you? You can hit me up on LinkedIn. So Jason Camosa, K-O-M-O-S-A. You can also check me out on my website, jkcoach.me. So that's jkcoach.me. And if you hit the uh, referral code MAR, M-A-R, you get two free complimentary uh, coaching sessions. Awesome. Very cool. Jason, man, I want to I want to thank you. I know, again, we've been friends for a long time. This is a different side of our normal conversations. And uh, it's it's been awesome. So thanks for taking the time to come in and, and talk oh, with everybody. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, you stick around. Listeners, please check out Jason, his materials. No matter where you're at in life or what part of the process you're in, I promise there's takeaways everywhere. And again, besides just knowing Jason now, what I would, a newly professional relationship, I can tell you um, firsthand that he's just a genuinely great guy and, and he's someone you're going to want to want to learn from. So Definitely uh, go check him out. Everything will be in the show notes. And please don't forget to rate and review the episode. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.